Let's pray again if we could, and then let's get to work. God, uh, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the, the truth of your word. And I pray that your spirit would guide us as we seek to understand what it is that you're communicating with us. Father, I pray that we would... Um, God, I, I pray now that we would not miss the, the essence of what's happening, that you are a good and holy and perfect God who loves us deeply. And Lord, you want to say something to us this morning. I pray that you would open our hearts and our eyes and our minds to what it is that you've got to say to us this morning. And I pray you would free us from distraction from that, God. That, and God, maybe we just center around this grand concept that you spoke the word into existence and you spoke the world into existence and you want to speak to us this morning. I pray you would uh, allow us to, to see that and understand that. Uh, thank you for Jesus. It's in his name I pray. Amen. Uh, so James chapter 4 is where we are this morning. And um, uh, let's, let's get to work. There's, there's a lot to, to get to here today. This is, um, I think, uh, a, a central message, not just for the book of James, but I think a central message for all of the like life as a Christian, um, this is a deeply central message for us. Um, and it is really James 4, 1 through 10 is talking about three things. One, a problem that we have. Secondly, a solution to that problem. And then three, some instructions or, or marching orders or, or action points, action items for us to engage with. Um, so chapter 4 begins... We need to do a little bit of history work here. Chapter 4 begins with James talking about some problems, some issues that are happening inside of the church. Uh, not just that, that James is the pastor of, but uh, this letter is written to churches scattered throughout the, the, uh, the, the dispersion or, or around the region of the area. James is writing a letter to those churches, and there's some issues that's happening there. And that issue is that there's, there's fights and quarrels among the people within the church. Um, and so that's the, the context that James is writing from. And then his, his, uh, he states the problem that it's not just these superficial problems, these issues that people are having trouble getting along with one another about, but it's a deeper problem, uh, a sin problem, a sinful nature problem. Uh, so I have, I have kids, and Halloween is really a difficult season because there's, like, sugar everywhere. Those of you with children... Nod your heads, know what I'm talking about. There's sugar everywhere. And um, so it wasn't so much last night, but the night before we were out at, at a party with, with some friends and like hopped up on some serious uh, sugar, right? And, and we, uh, we got home. We're driving home about 11-ish or so. And so when you combine sugar with late, it's like it's an infectious disease, that overtakes minivans. And that infectious disease overtook our van, and especially me. And I'm like raging angry at everyone who shares my last name. Um, and at the heart of it is... Sugar and late and whatever, 
But ultimately, there's, there's a fight and a quarrel going on. In, like, there's five of us in the van, and there's a fight and a quarrel going on every direction. So all five of us with the other four. You follow? So we're, we're all freaking out. And I feel like I'm kind of setting the tone for that. I'm like the, the husband, the, the father. I'm kind of setting the tone for the chaos that's happening. And I'm, here's, here's, here's the bad part about being a pastor. I know what I'm going to preach in like 36 hours from that moment. It's fights and quarrels are superficial, but they're making us aware of a deep sinful problem. And it has nothing to do like sugar and tired helped me get to the point and helped the other four get to the point of this like raging anger chaos. But the real culprit is, is our sinful nature. Um, and the good thing is, and I, I prayed for this, I believe that God spoke to me there, and I believe that God wants to speak to us, and he wants to say a very simple message to you. He wants to show you a problem that you have in your life, and you have in your heart. There may be some superficial problems that are on the surface that are, that are causing issue for you, but ultimately, the deeper root there is there's a sinful nature that you have. Um, so Cooper and I are, are driving to, to church this morning. He and I are driving early. I, I come and prepare and pray and whatnot. And, and, I, and I ask Cooper to read James 4.1, which says, What causes quarrels and fights among you? Is it not this? Your passions are at war within you. So I ask him to read that, and I, I'm, I ask him what that means. And so he's, he's trying to understand what this idea of, of this, the passions are, what a, what a sinful nature is. So I ask him, what, what is a sinful nature? And, and he didn't really understand. And so I want to make sure that we all understand when I say sinful nature, what am I saying? Um, when, you were, when you were born, you didn't need to be taught to breathe. Right? Why is that? By the way, not that, I will ask some rhetorical questions today. That's not one. That was not a rhetorical question. Why do you not need to be taught to breathe? It's natural. Who said that? Thank you. Was it you, Trav? Thanks, buddy. It's natural, all right? So, and also, when you get hungry, you don't really need to be taught to eat. Especially for those of you who who watched a baby be born, and they, like, most of them snap right to to wanting to eat, right? Why is that? It's, it's, It's just natural. And for each of us, that same sort of concept, we don't need to be taught to sin. It's in us. It's natural. It's in our nature. Um, we're fighting with these things our, our whole lives. C.S. Lewis says this, um, one of my favorite quotes, a great quote, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. We are far too easily pleased. The, the point of our, our sinful nature is that we have, God has placed in you a, a deep desire to have pleasure, to be happy. And I think that's, that's contrary to what most of us like our natural thought about what, a, what God wants from us. 
or our natural thought about what a church provides to us is that it's, it's not joy, it's not pleasure. Like, but do you know, like, here, here's a fact. God is more concerned with your pleasure than you are. Think about that. God is more concerned with your pleasure than you are. Do we, do we, op, do we approach God with that concept in mind? A lot of times I think God is, is at war, practically speaking, for me and my heart when I'm faced with a decision. Practically speaking, I think that God is not about my pleasure. He's about my falling into line. It's not true. God is more consumed with your pleasure than you are. And here's, we have one enemy in our sinful nature. We have one enemy, and his name is Satan, and the only tool that he has is to get us to believe something that's not true. Right? We have one enemy, his name is Satan, and his only weapon is to get you to believe something that's not true about God, about yourself, or about people. He's trying to get you to believe something about God that's not true, about yourself that's not true, or about somebody else that's not true. That's his only opportunity. And, and what, what that does for us is to get us to believe that God is not about our pleasure. He's not about our happiness. He's not consumed with our happiness. But he is. Um, go to verse 1. We're going to do a, a, a word study here. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? Your passions are at war within you. So there's literally a battle that's happening inside of you naturally. You don't have to be taught to have this battle. They're at war within you. And this word passions is the Greek word hedone. And could you throw that up there on the screen, buddy. Uh, it's the... H-E-D-O-N-E. It's the same root, root that we get our word hedonism from. And hedonism is the doctrine that pleasure or happiness is the highest good. And this is, these are the passions that are inside of you. And it's, it's a doctrine. It's a truth. It's a law about what's inside of you. You passionately pursue and desire happiness. And this war that's happening is do I allow God to be the boss of that, or do I allow me to be the boss of that? And that's the battle, the war that's happening. And what happens there is when we engage that war or don't check that natural war, the fights and quarrels and difficulty and hardship happens on the surface. But ultimately, when we press down into that, there is a sin issue that's going on. Um, Let me, I have a, I used to have a dog named Holly. Some of you remember Holly. Um, she had two distinct things about her. If you came to the door, uh, she would explode. Like you, most of you know my dog Hazel currently. And if you come in my front door, she's going to explode on you. Kelso's giving me a dirty look right now. Uh, Hazel loves Kelso. Kelso, not so much. Um, so, but... Imagine, so those of you who know Hazel, Holly was worse, but, but she had two distinct things. If you would open the door, she would be gone, like blocks away in a matter of seconds, just 
take off running. The other thing is she would just eat and eat and eat. She would, like she would never stop. One day this happened. We go to, we go to church and uh, she had a, a bin, like one of those plastic target bins, you know, with the lids. She had one of those that the food was in. Um, somebody, probably me, forgot to put the lid back on this bin, forgot to close the closet door that the bin was sitting in. We have sort of two checks there, right? We got the lid to the bin and we got the closet door. Either one happens, Holly's going to be okay. Neither one happened on this night. So we get home and we walk in the front door and usually walk in the front door, Holly's like an explosion of excitement, right? Not this night. She's laying in the corner and she's like looking at us. And I'm like, what? what's wrong? Is she sick? And I walk over there and you guys... Her belly was about three times the size that it typically is. And you could, like, if you look at her side, you know, you can, like, a lot of dogs, you can see their ribs. You could see the kibbles in the dogs, like, and not just, like, not just here, everywhere, everywhere. You could see the kibbles. She had literally eaten, like, we had a 40-pound dog of, bag of dog food in this, in this bin, and she there was almost nothing left in the bin. She had nearly eaten herself to death. And that's us. Given the opportunity, given the, the, the anonymity, let me underline that, given the opportunity and the anonymity, meaning nobody's going to find out, we are going to, we are excellent at providing for this moment's happiness right here, right now. And this is what this word, hedone, means. This is what passion means. Desires are in you naturally. You didn't have to stoke them. You didn't have to, to create them. You didn't have to be indoctrinated by a culture. You didn't, none of that needed to happen. Naturally at war within you is the same stuff that caused Holly to eat herself half to death and lay there miserable. But that's the truth of what's in us and the passions that are in us and they're at war within us. But again, God is more concerned about your pleasure than you are. John Piper says this, uh, it is never a problem to want to be satisfied. I think that's, that's beautiful. It's a great thought. It's, God is never against you wanting to be satisfied. The problem is being satisfied too easily. We believe that everyone who longs for satisfaction should no longer seek it from money or power or lust. But look at this last phrase. But should come glut their soul hunger on the grace of God. As picture my psychopathic dog eating all of her dog food, a month's supply of dog food in a night. Picture that gluttony. And what Piper's saying is the best way to satisfy your soul is to have that sort of gluttony on the grace of God. And it's, the beautiful part is, is God is, always going to leave the closet door open and always going to leave the bin on the, on the grace open. And he passionately desires for us to come and glut ourselves on his grace. Verse 2, you do not have 
so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. It's the word hadene again. But again, the pursuit of pleasure is not a bad thing. But the next phrase is very informative of the point James is trying to make. It says, you adulterous people. You adulterous people. What is, what is at the heart of adultery? When a husband create, commits adultery on his spouse, on his wife, or when a wife commits adultery on her husband, what is at the heart of that? At the heart of it is, I believe in that moment that someone else can provide for my sexual need better than my spouse can. And this is, when we sin, this is the statement that we make to God. I believe that something else can provide for my satisfaction, my immediate need, better than God can. You adulterous People, basic heart is something is better than God in a moment. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Do you, do you know this truth? Let me, let me speak something to you. God is longing to provide all that your heart desires. Like, we've, we've said this phrase over and over again in this series. God is who he says he is, and he does what he says he will do, and you are who he says you are. To really believe that, I mean, really believe that, is to believe that God is longing to provide for every desire that you have. Do you believe that he is a good God? Do you believe that, he, that every good and perfect gift comes from him? Do you believe that he has a plan to give you a future and a hope? Do you believe that when you take your delight in him, he will give you the desires of your heart? Do you believe that he is your father and you are his child? Do you believe that he wants to protect you? Do you believe that he wants to provide for you? This is the truth that James is getting at that we don't believe. Remember, we have one enemy, his name is Satan, and his only tool is to get you to believe something that's not true. One of the things that he believe, gets you to believe that's not true is that you can provide for your pleasure better than God can. Verse 5. Do you suppose that it is no purpose that the Scripture says he yearns jealously over the Spirit that he has made to dwell in us? Jealousy. I've, I've always struggled with this idea of jealousy. But in the context of this, when he's just talked about adultery and he's just talked about, he's talking about the sin nature and God's goodness and all those things together, it's, it's become a little clearer to me when I hear and read in Scripture that God is a jealous God. Here's what I thought this week. Jealousy exists for us when someone we love has found something in another that we want them to find in us. You with me? Jealousy exists when someone we love finds something in another that we want to find in us. You, 
You tracking with that? You with me there? God's jealousy is a pure jealousy. God's jealous for us because his deep loves for us. He, he breaks, it breaks his heart when we chase after something that is less than. God is jealous for us and that comes out when we seek or find our joy or our pleasure in something other than him. Do you, do you, you pick it up that God is, is jealous for us because he knows the only way for your heart and my heart to be completely satisfied and for us to be completely filled with joy and pleasure and happiness is that we find it in him and him alone. And when we chase something other than that, we make God our enemy. But the beautiful part is we need to just now, we've, we've painted this picture of the, the brokenness that's in us, the sinful nature that's within us. But there is a beautiful solution in verse 6. The first five words are incredible. The next time you are engaged with sin and seeking your own happiness, remember these five words. But God gives more grace. But he gives more grace. Do you know that grace is greater than your ability to create an idol? Listen to me. God's grace is bigger than your ability to create an idol. Than your ability to, God's grace is bigger than your ability to sin. Man, I want to jump up and down and scream hallelujah for that. God's grace is bigger than your ability to sin. God's grace is huge. Therefore, because he gives more grace... Hold on, I'm, I'm not done being redundant about that phrase. His grace is, is... He gives more grace. And that's the beautiful thing about the word more. Like... There's never going to be a time when it's finished. It's always more. Think about that. In two years from now, you're going to be wrestling with the same nonsense sin that you're wrestling with this moment. But God gives more grace. Ten years from now, you're going to be jacking around with the same stupid junk. But God gives more grace. And he's a jealous God, not because there's something insecure about him, but because he knows he loves you desperately. And the only way to satisfy every longing in your heart is in him and his grace. But because he gives more grace, therefore it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Pride says, I can do this. I can get my own happiness and pleasure. Humility says, I need help with this. And when we engage our sinful nature, when we engage grace and we process all of that, we can come to the point of pride or come to the point of humility. So we've got the problem. We've got the solution, which is grace. And now James, as one of the the beautiful parts of James is that he's very practical the, the rest of James's words here are instruction to us, very, very simple, very specific things for us 
to be about to do. In verse 7, he says, Submit yourself, therefore, to God. That word submit is the Greek word hupotasso. Um, and it means to willingly place yourself under. Willingly place yourself under. As if to say, I'm weak, you're strong, I give you authority, I willingly place myself under you. Think of uh, uh, military and soldiers willingly placing themselves under the power and authority of a general. This is the idea, to submit yourself, therefore, to God, to willingly place your... And, and there's, a, there's a great sense of, of humility that's in there. The next thing that he tells us to do is to resist the devil and he will flee from you. Um, like, this is, this is a big one, and I want to spend a little bit of time thinking about resist the devil and he will flee from you. Um, it, because it's, it's kind of a, an oxymoron here, because Satan is a really powerful being, and he, he's really good at, at what he's supposed to be doing. And, and we don't need to discount his, what he can do. We need to, to be real about the abilities of our enemy. However, at the same time of, of, his, of his great power and authority, at the same time, He's got nothing. The end of the day, he loses. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Do we, like, as, as sin traps you and, like, overwhelms you and, and grips you and you believe the lies that Satan tells you as that is white-knuckled true of you? The truth that James, that, that God wants to communicate to you is this. This is a fact. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Like, you don't need a, a biblical scholar there. But I'm going to teach you some Greek anyway. This word resist, to resist the devil, is histemai. And I probably pronounced that wrong. Sorry to all my seminary professors. But it's a, it's a compound word that is made up of, of, of two words, anti and histemai. Let's, you fire that up there, Coop? Okay, so it's two, uh, two words. First is anti. Do you guys need a Greek lesson to know what anti means? All right? It's just opposite. To set oneself against is anti. Um, the second one is histemi, is to make firm or establish. So it's anti-establish. It's, it's, it's not digging your feet in with him. It's not allowing him to take some sort of root in your heart, in your life, in your mind, in your spirit. It's not allowing that to happen. And here's, here's the thing for us. Um, like, with the theology that we have, we're very God-centric and very un-man-centric in that God is the active, active one and we are the passive one. In our salvation experience, that's the truth, that God has been active and we have been passive and we've done nothing to earn our salvation. We've not, done nothing to earn our love or, or the pleasures of God. We've done nothing to earn any of that. But 
There is some participation post-salvation that we must engage with. And here, James is laying out for us, in order to run to the pleasures of God, you've got a part to play. Submit yourself to God and resist the devil. The next phrase, the next marching order from James is draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Again, do you need a Bible scholar to teach you what this means, to draw near to God and he will draw near to you? If we really believe that God is who he says he is and does what he says he will do, and you are who you say you are, wouldn't we organize our life to draw near to God if the promise is that he's going to draw near to us? And listen, we live in an incredible age of technology where you can, like, do you know there's like a little, in most of your cars, there's, there's this little, like, jack there that says AUX on it. You can plug a cord in there and you can plug it into your phone. And you can, like, listen to stuff. You realize that? Like, I just did, you know? <laughs> That's what that's for. And you can listen to stuff. And do you know that there's, like, the internet where you can, like, download stuff onto that phone and listen to it on your 10 to 30 to 45-minute drive to wherever you go every day? Like, that's, that's an incredible time. We can't, like, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Flee from the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Do you know that, that for me, it's 30 minutes every day. Drop my kids off of school and drive to work. 30 minutes. For me, I can do all of those things. I can submit to God. I can resist the devil and I can draw near to God. I can do those things with that 30 minutes or I cannot do those things with that 30 minutes. And there's all kinds of technology to make that easy for me. There's all kinds of technology to make that easy for you. Do you, do you see that? Like, and, and I want to say that, like, your joy, your happiness, your pleasure is at stake. Remember, us, Friday night, this is, this is the, a perfect illustration for us. The end of our night wound up with Every one of us, all five of us, yelling, screaming, and just angry. Like, I'm done. I don't want to be your dad anymore. I don't want to be your husband anymore. I don't want any of this. And that whole night, I, was, I had spent pursuing my pleasure. That whole night, the other four had spent doing nothing but providing for their own pleasure. And what happened? Strife, enmity, broken relationship. I don't like you. Go away from me. This is the truth. But when we draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Do you believe that? If so, what are you going to do? What are you going to do with your X amount of time of of freedom? What are you going to do with it? Seriously, what are you going to do with it? You're going to try to get something for yourself or you're going to draw near to God? You're going to resist the devil or you're going to run to the devil? This is incredibly practical. 
You guys, you, do you want to be happy? Raise your hand if you don't want to be happy. I started to say raise your hand if you want to be happy, but some of you just don't want to raise your hands, so I thought I would help you out. <laughs> Seriously, we all, like God put it in you. And now here's the map. James has written the map to your happiness. And we're, we're so confused. We're so easily lied to. But it's so simple. Here's some things, and I think I put them in the bulletin as well. Here's some things for you to do. Read your Bible to draw near to God. Some stuff. Read your Bible. If you don't have one, there's a bunch of them back there. Take one with you. Take two with you. Give one to a friend. Or keep one in your car. Keep one on your bedside. Take whatever. Listen to sermons on podcast. Journal. Confess sins. Follow some pastors on Twitter. There's a bunch of pastors that I follow on Twitter that are just fantastic. Three or four times a day, just a a quick, simple little idea to to draw our mind back to God. Uh, I'll tell you what they are later if you want to ask who they are later. Put alarms on your phone to go off daily to remind you of a biblical phrase. You've got a smartphone, most of you, right? It's got alarms on it. Set an alarm that says, God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Set that that goes off every day at 3.30. Reminder, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. The next marching order from James. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Can we be honest enough with ourselves or with somebody in this room at some point this week? Can you be honest enough to say to them, given the right amount of anonymity, given the right amount of opportunity, I'm going to dreadfully sin? Can we be honest with ourselves and with each other enough to speak that out loud to another human being? That's a, that's a good challenge. Some, some of you respond well to a good challenge. There's my challenge to you. Can you find someone to speak out loud to them and say, given the right set of circumstances, given the right anonymity and the right opportunity and the right amount of time and the right access to the internet, or something, I'm going to choose my own pleasure. And that's humility, and God will give grace to that. Do you believe that God will give grace to that? Do you believe it enough to actually do it? Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. That word double-minded is the Greek word for hypocrite. You are a hypocrite, and so am I. But he gives more grace. That's the best thing you'll hear today, by the way. But he gives more grace. Two more left. Be wretched, mourn, and weep. Um, a lot of scholars think that James is, is stealing from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes here. He says, blessed are those who are poverty-stricken. Blessed are those who are fully aware of their own depravity and their own poverty. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, is what the verse says. Blessed are those who mourn, be wretched, and mourn and weep. This is what God is calling us to, is to make us aware of our own sinful nature and running to him because he gives more grace. 
Psalm 51.8 says, let the bones that you have broken rejoice. This is the heart of, of where he's going. But lastly, and this is, uh, this is where we'll end. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you. Um, very simple phrase. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you. Here's, a, here's an easy question. Who would you rather have exalt you? Me or God? It's an easy one. God. God wants to give you pleasure. And here's how to do it. Humble yourself before him and he will exalt you. That's, that's incredible to me. Incredible to my, to my brain. Messes with me. But we have a sinful nature that is at war with that all the time. I have a sinful nature that's at war with that all the time. But God has all of these promises and wants to speak to you that he wants to say, I'm more concerned for your pleasure than you are, and here's the way to get the pleasure that I want to give to you. Humble yourself. Draw near to me. Resist the devil. Very simple. Let's, uh, let's pray and respond to our Savior. God, thanks for the truth of your word. God, thanks for your servant James who wrote these words thousands of years ago. And thanks for persevering them to speak to us this morning. God, I pray for each one of us this morning, Father, that we would... God, I I pray that we would be hedonistic And we would relentlessly pursue our pleasure. Because the greatest pleasure we can ever have is found in you. God, teach us that. Help us to draw near to you. Help us to submit ourselves to you. Help us to resist the devil. Because you are so good. And you are so for us and for our pleasure. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name I pray. Amen.